Well, thank you, worship team, and good morning to you, Grace. It's great to celebrate baptisms with you. If uh, you've put your faith and trust in Christ and have not yet been baptized, that is your next step. And before you leave today, I will give you the tools and the way to be baptized yourself here at Grace Community Church. Maybe your mom and dad, maybe they had you baptized when you were a child or, or when you were an infant, and they did that because they loved you and they wanted nothing but the best for you. But that isn't Christian baptism. Christian baptism follows your decision in Jesus Christ. It follows your commitment to Christ. It follows your decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're a teenager or you're an adult, and now you know that baptism is the next step. If you want to follow God's will and his ways, if you want to follow his word, then that means you want to be a disciple. And Jesus says the very first step of being a disciple is this, is baptism. And so we'd love to baptize you just like we baptized Dylan. Before you leave today, you'll know how to do that. Well, I haven't seen you since last year. This is the only day of the year that I could say that. And so would you turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. As you're finding that, it's kind of funny when I look around the room, it's kind of weird to think about everyone in here, all of you, were children at some point in time. Most of you, at least. I mean, look around this room. Every single person you're looking at, at some point in time, was a cute, cuddly, lovable, little baby, toddled around, would smile at everybody. You would wave at everyone who waved at you. You believed everything an adult told you. Your mom and dad, you thought your mom and dad were heroes. You thought they couldn't do anything wrong. You loved candy and ice cream and and pizza, and then all your teeth fell out because of it. But it worked out for you because you got paid for your teeth. I mean, that was a racket. That worked so good. Now, I heard some of you are trying to sell your teeth a second time and a third time when they fall out again and again, but it doesn't work like that. You only get one chance at that. But everyone in here used to be cute and cuddly. And now look at you. What happened to you? You're serious. You have jobs and bills. What happened? You know, it's kind of funny to think. Kind of funny to think that everyone in here wore diapers and spit up on their mom's clothes. It's kind of scary, too, to think about it. It's kind of scary to think that a four-year-old is going to fly an airplane that I'm going to ride on. It's kind of scary to think that that six-year-old boy who's missing half his teeth is going to do surgery on me someday. That eight-year-old who kicked his sister's stuffed animal out the second-story window is going to be building bridges that millions of people will trust their lives with Every single day. It's kind of scary to think about this progress. And because of my ministry, I've gotten to be around teenagers a lot and their families. And so a a kid who seems like they just graduated the third grade, they tell me they get their driving permit. And then not long after that, they take a picture and they put it on social media holding the new temporary driver's license that they have. The DMV is now letting them drive. And I'm like, but I know them better. Are we really sure we want them to drive? So what was the moment? What was the moment where that 
that baby could drive. What, what happened? What was the moment where that, where that six-year-old missing half of his teeth, what was the moment when he could do surgery? What was the, what was the specific moment when you were being so cuddly in a baby, what was the moment when you turned into what I'm looking at today? What was the moment? Well, of course, we know that it happens over time. There isn't a specific time. There isn't a specific moment. It happens slowly over time. One new year rolls around, and the next new year rolls around, and that baby begins to develop. That baby slowly begins to develop their lungs as they start to cry. They begin to develop their legs as they toddle around. They develop their stomachs as they suck up every French fry in sight. They start to develop who they are. And finally, their bladder develops to the point where maybe they don't have to wear diapers anymore. Man, for a parent, man, you look forward to that, don't you? You look forward to that. I remember when Tanya and I, when we were potter training our kids, you know, you're all, I think every parent worries, is my kid going to get it? You know, are they going to get this? You worry about it. It doesn't work the first day. And so some mom was really encouraging to Tanya when we were potty training our kids. And this mom said, you know, I've just never seen a third grader in diapers. And the point was, it'll happen. It'll happen over time. It's maybe not one day that it happened, but it will happen. And sure enough, look, our kids are potty trained, I think. They're potty trained. Kid begins to develop their arms through playing Little League. They develop their brain as they memorize things in school that I could never remember. And a few new years later roll by, and here they are on social media, holding their driver's license in their hand. It happens over time. The development of a human body isn't an instant thing. It happens gradually over time. And then though when you look back at it, you're like, whoa, it seemed like it happened in an instant. And the same is true for a church. Do you know that the Bible calls the church a body? And it uses this term in Ephesians 4, where you've turned in your Bibles. So let's read this, and you'll find out why the title for today is Bodybuilding for 2024. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11, it says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Now you know why it's called bodybuilding. We want our body at Grace Community Church to grow, to develop in 2024. Verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies... According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We want to develop in 2024. We want to build our body stronger than it was last year, than this year. But we aren't talking about 
a human body. We aren't talking about your physical body. We're talking about a group of people who are all put together, and each one of those people are a part of this bigger thing called a body, and that's what Grace Community Church is. We're a body, and look at all of our individual parts. The number of individual parts that we have can be counted right here in this room, and then add second service. This is the number of parts in our body, and they've all been put together And when each one of them are developing and growing in their right time and in their right stage, it is building up, is making a strong entire body. And there are various ways that individual body parts develop. And as much as God is concerned about our physical development, and He is, God's concerned about our physical health. He's concerned about our development in our human body. He's the one who designed it. He's the one who designed the diaper process He's the one who designed the the toddling stage. He's he's the one who designed the learning how to ride a scooter stage. He's the the one who learned about the, who, who developed the idea of going to school and learning new things stage in a human body. He's the one that designed puberty. He's the one that designed middle age weight gain. He's the one who designed the next stage of learning how to drive an RV stage in life. He's the one that designed driving another kind of scooter later in life and then back in diapers. He designed that. He designed the entire process. And as much as God cares about our physical development, He even cares more about our spiritual development. He cares even more about our godly development. And so the Bible, as you're familiar, uses this term babies. And it fits because this thing called new birth, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you learn that Jesus is God, he came to earth and he died on the cross for our sins. And when a person puts their faith and their trust in in Jesus Christ, they are born into this new life. They have salvation, their sins are forgiven, they have eternity in heaven, they have an inheritance that is uh, through Christ in heaven. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of them. They're born into this whole new life, and so it makes sense that we'd use the term babies because when you are born, you're a baby. And so if you're relatively new to Christianity, if you're relatively new in your Christian faith, then you're a spiritual baby. Now, that's not derogatory. I'm not putting you down. Nobody puts down a baby for being too immature. That's who they are. Nobody makes fun of a baby for being too immature. That's who they are. Tanya and I, we were uh, shopping one time at a store, and there was a mom who was pushing a cart with a toddler in the cart. And the mom was whisper yelling at the toddler. You know what I mean? Whisper yelling. You know, stuff like that all the time. And so she whisper yells, act your age. Act your age. But that was the problem. The toddler was acting their age. The toddler was acting like a toddler, and the mom wanted the toddler to act like an adult. But that's not the way that it works. A toddler is going to be a toddler. An adult, a mature adult, is going to be a mature adult. And so, of course, these spiritual infants, these Infants who are brand new in Christ, they're newly born again, they become children, and that's where we begin Ephesians chapter 4. That's what we are learning here is about these children. So we're going to cover this entire passage that we read, but first let's start in verse 14. 
Paul says, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceitful scheming. We are no longer to be children. There are two different kinds of spiritual children or Christian children, two different types. The first type is those who are new to Christianity, who are new to this whole thing. They're brand new Christians. And because of that, they're not anchored in God's truth. And, and since they're not anchored in God's truth, they're susceptible to all sorts of weird interpretations of the Bible. They're susceptible to all sorts of uh, new, sparkly, religious ideas. This is the first kind of Christian child. But there's a second kind of Christian child, and that kind of Christian child is someone who's been a Christian for a while. They've been a Christian long enough to have developed to be mature, but they haven't for a bazillion reasons, and usually many excuses later, they have been a Christian for a long time, and yet they are still a spiritual child. And so therefore, they have not studied the Bible, they have not grown in their faith, they have not matured, and so now, though they've been a Christian for a long time, they're still a spiritual child, they're not anchored in God's truth, and because of that, they're susceptible to all these weird interpretations of the Bible, they're susceptible to all these weird, sparkly, new religious fads. Both of these are religious children. And Paul puts these religious children in some circumstances in this verse. Some kind of interesting circumstances. As a result, verse 14, we are no longer to be children, like these spiritual children. Right? And it gives, puts them in cer uh, certain circumstances. Tossed here and there by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine. So imagine these little kids, they're commanding a ship. That's the first, little, little pirates on a ship. Imagine little children pirates on a ship. And here they are trying to navigate the giant oceans of the world. And these little pirate children are trying to put up the sails, hoist the sails, ye mateys. And all the little kids are trying to do it, but they can't. They don't know how. They don't have the strength to do it. And so the great seas and the winds are tossing their pirate ship all over the place. And they're getting frustrated. And they're getting seasick. You can imagine all the little pirate children hanging over the edge, and, and here goes all their Captain Crunch breakfast right over the edge. Sounds like a fourth-grade whale-watching trip I went on, just about like that. This is what it's like to be spiritual children who are being blown around by all sorts of different winds of doctrine. But then quickly Paul puts these children in another situation. By the trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceitful scheming. All of a sudden now, Paul takes these kids to Vegas. That's the word trickery. Trickery is a word of dice playing. Imagine if you gave your elementary children $1,000 and sent them to Vegas. How much would they come back with? None. Now, why? Because they, are, they get tricked. Because the tricks of the trade. Because kids are gullible. Kids will believe anything that an adult says, and that's what makes them fun. 
But that's also is very dangerous for them because they can be so easily tricked at Vegas. And so now we have this, these two stunningly frightful pictures of Christian children. Whether you're new to Jesus Christ and you're brand new to these things and you aren't anchored yet in the truth of God's word, or you've been a Christian for a long time and you aren't quite anchored in God's truth quite yet for whatever reason, these are the potentials. They are in constant danger of being blown and tossed by every changing religious fad. And they're susceptible to being tricked and duped religiously. The Bible has warned us for thousands of years that Satan like has this operational skill set to deceive people, particularly those people who are immature Christians. Now, of course, as we read, verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We're to grow up. These children are to grow up so that they aren't constantly facing those sorts of battles and those sorts of of dangers. And you might know someone that isn't quite spiritually stable yet. You might not be quite spiritually stable yet. In a room this size with a group of people here, we have many Christian children. That's That's not a derogatory term. It just is what it is. And maybe you have encountered situations where you don't really quite know what the truth is yet because you just aren't quite spiritually mature enough to know what the truth is or not. And maybe you're wondering, well, how does someone become mature? How does someone go from being a spiritual baby, a spiritual infant, and a spiritual child to being mature? I want to do that but I just don't know how. How could I do that? Because that would certainly be beneficial for the body. When every individual part in a body develops, that's a good thing because now the entire body is stronger. The entire body is built when every individual part begins to develop in a baby. And the same is true spiritually as well in Christ. When every individual member in that church begins to develop, They make the entire body stronger. And so you might be wondering, well, how do I do that? How does that work? Well, that's a great question. And that's what this passage is about. About individual building of your own person to help build up the body. So go back to the beginning at verse 11. Because this begins to lay out the process by which someone develops into a mature person from being one of these pirate babies that can't handle the waves. Verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And so here's the process. We have these positions within the church that are part of developing people. And the first two are foundational positions, meaning they were a part of founding the church. They are part of founding the local church, about founding Christianity on planet Earth. First one it uses, the first word that it uses is apostles. That was a position in the church. These are men 
that Jesus selected in his three-year ministry, and if you aren't one of those, then you are not an apostle. But they received special revelation from God, and they were the ones who began to start the first churches. They're the ones who began to write Scripture. And then there were other people who cropped up who claimed to be apostles. And so how do we know which one is a legitimate apostle and which one isn't? So God gave the apostles these special abilities, these abilities to do miracles to authenticate the fact that they were definitely messengers of God. The apostles, part of founding the church, and also the prophets, the prophets also were a part of establishing the church. They received special revelation from God, but they were evaluated by the apostles to make sure that their message was legitimate. And these two positions were a part of establishing the local church. And of course, this was relevant in this era when it was written in the first century because these people were still alive. These people were a part of churches that were literally started. The founders were the apostles. But now here we stand today, the church has now been founded. The the, the, the prophecy has been declared, and here we have it in God's Word. We don't need to found the church anymore. We don't need new prophecy. We have a hard enough time following the prophecy that we already have in His Word. And so today there are no longer apostles and prophets. But of course, Christians still need to be developed. And so, that's where we have these other positions, evangelists. That word, interestingly, is only used three times in the New Testament. It's not an insignificant word. Uh, The root word is used like 130 times. And these are referring to people who are church planters. They are missionaries. They're the ones that take the gospel of Jesus to people who haven't heard it yet, whether it be their friends or their family or their neighbors or to cities or countries that have never heard the gospel before. They'll start a church, and then uh, generally an evangelist won't be the pastor of that church. That that evangelist will move on because they're an evangelist. They're, They're not a pastor of the church. And that's what Paul was. Paul just kept planting, 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 planting. Paul was an evangelist, planting, 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 planting. And he put pastors in all those churches. And then the, the next one here is the pastor. And notice what the pastor teacher does in verse 11. It says, and he, uh, verse uh, 12, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. That's what a pastor teacher does is they equip. That's the Greek word for an artist or a craftsman who is making something. And that, in essence, is what a pastor does. They are making or they are shaping people. They're equipping people. That's the word, shaping or making people. And God has given the pastor only one real tool to do that shaping of people. What do you think that tool is that God gives a pastor to shape people? The Bible. That's what we have to shape people. And notice it uses an interesting word there, for the equipping or for the shaping of the saints. This means Christians, all Christians, anybody who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is a saint. We're not talking about uh, people who are in stained glass. We're talking about individual Christians. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Each Christian is using their own God-given gift. When a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not only are their sins forgiven, 
not only do they have a hope of future in heaven, but also that salvation is about today. God, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside of them and gives them gifts and abilities to serve within the church. And so notice that that's what they do, that they are doing the work of service. And it is work, by the way. Ministry is work. No matter how much you like it, no matter how much you want to do it, it is still work. That, what about the, the guys who are here watching our cars when it's freezing cold outside? It's work. What about that couple who is over right now in the, the preschool Sunday, cl- Sunday school classroom right now? It's work. What about Max and Erica Angus who take junior hires to summer camp? It's work. They might love it, but it's work. And work isn't a bad thing. Aren't you glad your heart is working? Okay, work isn't a bad thing. A heart is a part of your body. It's just one part. It's one member of your body. And what if your heart said, you know, I had a really hard day yesterday, so today I'm going to take a break. <laughs> you won't have it tomorrow. And so aren't you glad that your heart is working? Work isn't bad. It just is. And so this is a work of service when a Christian begins to put the, the gifts that God gives them into action. And notice what all of this does. What does this hard work do? To the building up of the body of Christ. That's what all this It builds the body. It, when an individual Christian is growing, it, it builds the entire body. What we do in here is like the locker. This is like the locker room. The, the game isn't played in the locker room. You come here to get equipped. And then you use the gifts that you have within the church body. You use the gifts and abilities that you have among the other Christians that you are around. And that is where the growth comes. The, this is just the equipping part Then when you use it, that's the the growth part. And so evangelists have a part in this as they are sharing the gospel with people all around the world. Uh, Maybe you heard the gospel of Jesus from an evangelist. My grandmother, who kind of started Christianity in my family, she was saved at a Billy Graham crusade. He was an evangelist. And, of course, also pastors and teachers. They're studying God's word. And as they teach God's word, they are equipping Christians then to also build the body. So pastors build the body, uh, evangelists build the body, but also Christians build the body as they individually develop, as, as their body part gets stronger and stronger, as the lungs begin to develop and the legs begin to develop and the arms begin to develop and the stomach begins to develop and the brain begins, the body's getting stronger. And the same is true in a church as well. And so Christians who are taught the word of God, and then they go and do what they hear, and they serve in a body, they make it a strong church. And those Christians who do not participate in that process, they're still spiritual infants. They're not there yet. So that might answer your question at least some of your questions about how does this work? What is the process? Well, the process is sit under the teaching of the Word of God. Uh, Once you know what to do, go do it. Serve people within your church. This is how spiritual growth begins and develops over time. But I would suspect that more people in here, the question is, is, well, we know how it works, but how do we know that it is working? How do we know that we are developing? How do we know that we are maturing? 
in that? How do we know that it works? Well, that's what the next verse is all about, verse 13. How do we know? How do we know that we've gone from a child to a mature Christian? It gives us a list of three things that we can know or we can see. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Well, here's, here's how you can know. Here's the list of three. You can already see the list of three. Spiritual unity, Christian unity. Spiritual knowledge, Christian knowledge. And spiritual maturity, Christian maturity. Let's kind of slowly work through those so we understand what they mean, at least, so that we could see if it is, if we are developing as a Christian. Unity. Well, as a Christian, we do have something in common with everyone else in this room who is a Christian. We have God's Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have that in common. Now, we have a lot of things that we don't have in common. We might have different skin colors. We might have different clothing preferences. We might think differently politically. I'm kind of surprised that not everyone likes Del Taco Green Burritos. We all have different perspectives. Man, when it comes to music, there's some people in here who headbang. There are some people in here who listen to hymns. There are some who are karaoke-ers. Some listen to Christmas music the entire year round. And yet here we are, we're all sitting in the same place, we're all sitting in the same room. Anywhere else a fight would have broken out, but we're not fighting. We'll fight if it's country music, okay? Country music, you're gone. But other than that, why are we not fighting? Because we're all unified because we have Christ. But how is this unity seen? Like, we can know it to be true, but how can we see it? How can we evaluate it? Turning your Bibles to the left, probably about 10 pages, to 1 Corinthians 12. Left in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. This is a chapter that is all about unity within a church. And we've recently uh, discussed this passage in much more detail, so we're not going to belabor that today. But when we're talking about Christian unity, you kind of have to look at 1 Corinthians. How do you know? How do you know that you as a, a member in the body are maturing? Well, the first one is unity. But how do you see this body part's unity? How do you know it? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Aha, yeah. Every Every Christian has God's Holy Spirit living inside of them. That's, that's where unity comes from. And that Holy Spirit gives every single Christian gifts, abilities, passions, desires to do things that they might not have ever had the desire to do before. You might not have had the propensity for it. You might not have had the desire to do it. You might not have even had the skill set to do it. But now with God's Holy Spirit, now you have the desire, the interest, uh, the skill sets, the tools to do whatever this is. And because it's God, the, the amount of skill sets, the amount of gifts that he gives is innumerable. And so here we are, here we have all of these different gifts given to all of the different Christians within a church. Now, this is also interesting, that it's only people who have God's Spirit that have these gifts. 
And so when we're looking for someone to be on the worship team, we're not just looking for someone who has great musical talent. We need someone who has God's Holy Spirit living inside of them. But also the same thing is true, that every single person who is a believer, who has God's Holy Spirit living inside of them, every single one has these gifts. Now, impossible that you don't know what your gifts are yet, and it's probable it's just because you haven't tried anything. <laughs> and so that's why I'd say, if you don't know what your gift is, just start somewhere. Start serving within the group of Christians that you're around. Hey, you happen to be here at Grace. Start serving in some way at Grace Community Church, and you keep doing that thing until God moves you to a new thing. And this is how you begin to discover the gifts that God's Holy Spirit gives you. Look at verse 5. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Yeah, because there's so many different people. God gives this unique, uniqueness of ministries to people. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Yes, this is where unity, this is how unity is seen. Unity is, we know that it exists because of God's Holy Spirit living inside of us. But the way that it is seen is when all of those individual parts are serving, are working within the body. Skip down to verse 12. For even the body is one and yet has many members. And all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. We, we are all Christians because of God's Holy Spirit living inside of us. You're placed in a local church, placed in a body, and so now each one of those members now needs to develop to make that body strong. And notice what it says in verse 14. For if the body is not, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. Just because I can't sing, you can't say, well, then I don't need to serve around here. We need your gift. If you don't have the gift of singing, well, please, <laughs> you don't need a microphone. That's okay. But we need your gift. We need what it is. Just because you say, I can't do the thing that's on the stage or that gets the limelight doesn't mean that we don't need your gift. Your gift is what builds the body. Get to verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, if one member suffers, then all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. Absolutely, this is where the unity is seen. Unity comes from Christians who are hearing the word of God. The, the pastor is, is equipping the saints, and now they are engaging in their work of service, and that is what brings unity because we're all headed towards the same common goal, the same common cause of developing people for Christ. Unity. And where does disunity come from then within a church? Well, sin, when any one of those members of the body allows the cancer of sin in their life, and most often then they aren't serving within the body, and all of a sudden, boom, you have division. Boom, you have disunity. So that's the first way that you can know. This is the first way you can know, am I developing as a believer in unity? Am I serving within the body, participating in the unity? Can I see it? The next way it describes here is, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
knowledge, spiritual knowledge. Now, this isn't just about like knowledge about the gospel, because even infants have that. Spiritual infants, godly infants have that. They knew how to be saved. They had heard the gospel. So this isn't about like knowing the gospel and that's it. This is a deep knowledge of God. This is the type of knowing God that comes with time, spending time with him, reading his word, not just talking at him called prayer, but listening to him through reading his word and studying it and getting to know it. Speaking of the knowledge of God, can you ever know everything about God or the Bible? No. You, it's that deep. You can never know everything about it. Sometimes when people find out that I'm a pastor, not, not here, but they'll say something like, man, you must know everything about God or the Bible. And I say, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> Ask me anything. No. The, the, more that, the more that a Christian reads it, the, the more that they study God's Word, the more that they pray, the more mature that they get, the more they realize of how little they really know. But this is, this is knowledge. This isn't like getting an A on the test that you know all the, like, all the right answers in a Bible class. That's not this. That's not this knowledge. This is a knowledge that is constantly being refined. It is constantly being uh, curated being clarified as more and more time is spent in God's Word. Now, where does this come from? Obviously, it comes from spending time in God's Word more than just on a Sunday morning. More than I, Sometimes I probably go home, you're like, wow, we read a lot of, I read a lot of Bible this week. <laughs> and that was all you did was Sunday morning. But that's not where deep knowledge comes. This is equipping. This is the locker room. But this deepness of knowledge comes through closeness with God over a long period of time. And so how, how do you do that? Well, read your Bible when you're not here. That's, that's how you would do it. You would read the Bible when you aren't here. Now, when you come in at Connection Central over there, there um, we have a little container. I thought I brought one with me, but. There's a little, there's a little, uh, I don't even know, a clear thing with paper in it. And that clear thing with paper has Bible verses on it. And it, there are people in our church who are reading the entire New Testament in a year. And so if you would like to read the entire New Testament, it's one chapter a day. You know how long it takes to read one chapter? Maybe four minutes. So you can read one chapter a day. And it, gives you, it just gives you a list. On your way out, pick it up at Connection Central. It just gives you a list of the, verse to the chapter to read that day. Right now, we're in Matthew because, of course, we're at the very beginning of the year. And you just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, all the way through the entire New Testament. When you get to December, you get to Revelation. Read your Bible every single day. Begin to get to know God's Word and then allow your, your pastor to, to teach you God's Word. On Wednesday night, Jeff mentioned that this coming Wednesday night we begin prime time again. And I'm teaching the Bible in a whole different way. Complete, it's, it's way different than a Sunday morning. And we're studying through the book of Exodus. Two chapters a night in Exodus. 
And you get to learn about God in a whole different Old Testament way, but you learn about God. The Bible says that all Scripture is profitable. And so come on Wednesday night. And so you begin to get to know more about God and to build your knowledge. So how do we know? How do, how do you know? How do you know that you are maturing as a body part in the body? Well, one, you're serving in unity. You can see yourself serving in unity in the body. Secondly, you, you can see your knowledge beginning to grow deeper and deeper in the things of Christ. And the third one there is growing up to be a mature person, a mature, a mature Christian. Did you know that the goal for every single believer is that they would be like Jesus Christ? Do you know that? Now, I know that today this sermon might seem um, a little juvenile to some people who've been mature Christians, but none of us are as mature as Christ and so we all have some growing to do. This is the way that 1 John puts it. We studied 1 John in the summertime, and now we can see how 1 John and this verse really fits. 1 John says this, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk the same manner as he walked. The one who says he abides in Jesus. Do you, do you say you want to abide in Jesus? You say you want to follow his will and his ways? You say you want to follow his word? Well, the math of John is, well, then you better live like Jesus lived. You better become like Jesus Christ. Well, wow, how in the world do I mature like that? Well, for most children, the best way that they develop is by watching their parents. Now, that's either a good way, depending on the parent, that's either a good trajectory or a bad one but it's by watching someone else who's more mature than them. And here at Grace Community Church, we have all kinds of small groups in our church. Men's groups and women's groups, they meet in homes, they meet at coffee shops, they meet at restaurants, some of them even meet here at Grace. And all of these are people who are wanting to mature in Christ. I can guarantee you, if you come and be a part of one of those small groups, there will be someone in that group that's more mature spiritually than you. And so why don't you come and be a part of one of those? Not for a day or a week or a month, but for a year, for five years, for 10 years, for 20 years. You just be in that group until you become like Jesus. And when you finally become like Jesus... Ultimately, that will be perfection in heaven. Then you can stop maturing. But until then, all of us have maturing to do. So how can you see the maturing? How, how, do we, how, do, how does an individual Christian, an individual body part within a church, how do they build up the rest of the body? Well, they read their Bible regularly outside of church. That's how they do that. And we at Grace, we try to give you tools to do that. We have the little sheets on the way out, but we also send you an email every Friday. Do you even read those emails? Some of you do. Some of you just delete. Okay. I know how it works. And so at the end of each month, the Friday at the end of each month, in that email is a link. You just click the, the link. just says Bible reading plan. Just, you can just click it, and it's a digital version of the sheet that's in the lobby. And so you can screenshot it. You can save it. You can do whatever you want with it. And every single month, we give you another Bible reading plan 
so that you can read the Bible. It's on our website, gccriverside.com, a menu under resources. Same place. It's, we try to give you access to it. So you're going to read your Bible every single day to be a part of building up the rest of the body. You're going to get equipped by learning from the Bible when it's taught, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Maybe there's a, a Bible study that you're interested in. Hey, I, I'm not the only teacher here. When you go to a small group, a men's small group or a women's small group, there'll be other men and women at Grace that can help teach you as well. Then do what it says. Once you learn what the Bible says, then you do it. <laughs> That's like the hardest part. We know it, but then now a mature person begins to do what they learn because they know that this isn't just someone's recommendation. This is inspired words of God that transcend time, transcend culture, transcend um, whatabouts, and transcends ifs, transcends little trends that occur in our culture today. We just do what the Bible says. And then finally, they serve within a church ministry. And this is how you'd know that, that you're maturing in Christ. And so if you want to be a part of building the body at Grace Community Church, just pick wherever you are missing out on. And that's where you could begin to allow Jesus to develop you in that area can't do it on your own, but that's why you have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you. He'll the one that give you the strength and the ability to follow through on these things. These are His will, by the way. The Bible says that if you pray for God's will, <laughs> it's God's will. He wants it to happen, and He'll help you to do it. Now, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you aren't even a child of God yet, I don't want you to do these things. I want you to change your mind about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus has died on the cross for your sin. He's given you this gift of this salvation just waiting for you. He's died on the cross for your sin. That's a good thing because the Bible says that we're all separated from God because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. And the Bible says that there's none righteous. None of us are righteous. Now we're better than the person next to us, but we're not perfect. And so we've fallen short of God's glory. So that's why no sinner can be in heaven. Because we fall short of God's glory. But that's why Jesus, God in the flesh, came, was born on Christmas Day. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins so that any person who puts their belief in him, their trust in him, the judgment of their sin is poured out on Christ and it's applied in their life. And so that's why their sin would be forgiven. Not because they've done anything righteous, but because Jesus was righteous. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, believe that he is God and died on the cross for your sin, the third person of the Trinity then comes and lives inside of you, and he will help you to develop to be a mature believer. So I'm going to at least give you the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus today. So I'm going to ask all of you, would you be willing to bow your heads and close your eyes? Just give a little separation between you and the person next to you. Even if you already know that you're going to heaven, just give the person next to you a chance. And this is what you can say to God. It's called prayer. You don't need to say anything out loud. God already knows what's on your mind. And this is what you can say to him. You can say, dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is that Savior. I believe that he was God that came out of heaven. I believe that he lived a perfect life. And I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. And I put my personal faith and trust in this Jesus Christ. I put my eternity in the hands of this Jesus. I put my, my trust in him. And I believe even that Jesus did the impossible thing. 
I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day, proving that he is God and that he could die on the cross for my sin. And God, we as a church family, we thank you for this. We praise you for this, that you would provide these things to us and you'd even provide us a spirit to develop us in this area. And God, I pray for Grace Community Church that, that through your word, that our body would be built in 2024. I pray for your will in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.